You're listening to sermons from Christ the Savior Orthodox Church. We're a small but growing mission of the Orthodox Church in America, currently meeting in Brewer, Maine. We'd love to have you join us for service. But until then, here's Father Scott with this week's sermon. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or whither withal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. of John the Baptist. We commemorate his birth today, as was read in the prologue beforehand. So we come to a part of the Sermon on the Mount today. Earlier in this chapter, the Lord has laid before us fasting, prayer, and almsgiving, and he wants us to do so with a pure heart, so that we lay up treasures in heaven unto him from the depths of our being. He wants us to act in such a way. He wants us to set aside, focus on the world and the world's opinion of what we do, and focus on his desires, his will for our lives, and act accordingly. This is the key to a peaceful, happy life. 
having an eternal perspective and living in a manner that's focused not on the here and now, but on the here and after. This is what God's desires. And this is good advice for us as we see today's gospel when we talk about the timeless problem of worry. Worry is a great problem. It's a great problem in the United States. Right now, the statistics are pretty frightening. I found one place that said that 20% of the inhabitants of this dear club country of ours are either under therapy or taking medication for mental illness in the areas of anxiety or worry and depression. These two things are two sides of the same coin. Preoccupation with self. I'd say worry is a preoccupation with self projecting into the future the probability that things will be awful. And I'd say depression is that same self-centered concentration, an obsessive preoccupation with the past and the present, that they are awful. This is how we live in the United States. 20% being treated. In this midst of us today, there's people that are on these medications. And we're not demeaning anyone. We want to talk about what God thinks about worry. Because it's a huge problem. It's said that 20% of Americans express sincere problem with anxiety. With anxiety disorders. Things that can be clinically evaluated. 27% and over 50% explain that in their life they're troubled by these things. That's us. Look to your right, look to your left, or somebody's worrying probably right now. It's a frightful statistic. It's a frightful problem. And it's always been a problem. That's why Jesus addresses it. Because he wants to awaken us to the problems of worry and how to cure it. He doesn't want to leave us in this sick state, this weakened state. You know, when I spoke about 27% of Americans and 20% on medication are having these problems, the number worldwide is 4%. 4%. And I, I wrote down the countries where the most stress was evident. And it says, it, 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 speaking about, this is like people that report in their own life, not necessarily that they're on medication or not, but they report in their own life a problem with stress, anxiety, worry. In the United States, that number is 52%. The worst countries in the world, and I'll read them down so you get some sort of idea and put this in perspective, are Lebanon at 74% tied with Afghanistan. Then Turkey at 64, Ecuador at 62, Jordan at 58%, and in ninth place is the United States of America. You look at the top five and you understand why people in Afghanistan might be worried. I think they've got a reason to worry, don't you? And same thing with Jordan. The country's blowing up every day. You walk out of your house and maybe there's a bomb outside your door. Terrible places to live right now. Because of just things that are fatal, life-threatening, minute by minute, and uncertain. And the United States is right there at 52%, right behind it. The lowest countries in the world will surprise you, coming in around 12 or 13% each one of them. Kazakhstan. Uzbekistan. Indonesia. Kyrgyzstan. And lastly, Mongolia. Oh, things are great there, aren't they? They've got more to worry about than we do. I think the apostles would really 
be disappointed with us if they were here today to talk to us about worry. About how we worry about so many things. It's interesting because there was a list made of the things that Americans worry about. This was made in, 19, in 2022, so it's very recent. Of course, at the top of the list, with 35% of Americans were worried about COVID. They were losing sleep over COVID. The next was poverty and inequality, 31%. Unemployment, 28 Financial and political corruption, interesting, 27%. Crime and violence, 26%. In Maine, maybe we're not too worried about that. But maybe we'll worry about health care, which is 23rd, 23%. Inflation, taxes, education, and the last, I love this one, at 15%, I'm sure there's other things they had listed, but they cut the list at 15%, was climate change. Who, by taking thought, can diminish climate change? Or inflation? How about taxes? None of these things can be affected. And yet across the world, and here in our country, this is driving people to sleepless nights, to ulcers, all kinds of problems, physical problems. What would the apostles think about this? Interesting statistic. If I asked you right now, by age group, going by 10-year blocks from 18 to 29, 30 to 39, and so on, all the way up to the 80 and above, which one of those groups do you think is most worried? Go ahead and shout it out. Who? That was, for me, counterintuitive, but you're exactly right. It went from the 18 to 29-year-olds, and 42% were suffering clinical problems. And it kept dropping through the 30s, 20, 34%, 40s, 30%, 50s, 25 60s, 19s, 70s. I'm amazed. I'm, I'm almost there. I should be worried. <laughs> I guess I'm not. I'm with a good company, only 13%. And then above 80, it goes up a little bit, because I guess people over 80 are getting ready to worry about dying, maybe. Well, it's inverse to what I expected, quite frankly. I thought the older you get, the more problems you got, the more kids you got to worry about, the more financial issues you got. But no, young people, this cancer of worry is affecting you guys that sit out there just starting your lives off more than it is people my age. I should be worried about my next heart attack, but I guess I'm not. It's a, it's a serious problem. And I wonder when I look at those stats about, you know, Kazakhstan and Mongolia, 12% worry factor, and the United States at 52, I said to myself, are we really five times worse off than Mongolia? Apparently we are in our own minds. That's very, very sad. That's where we are. And so the Lord brings us some timely instruction today with that introduction. He wants to talk to us about worry. And he eases us kind of into this issue of worry by warning us about what we set our eyes upon. And I would like you to think a little bit about eyes as not just being the physical eye, but your spiritual eye, which is fed by all your senses represented by the eye. And so he says, the light of your body is your eye. And he says, if your eye is single, your whole body's full of light, but woe unto you if it's not. There's nothing faster than the eye that can take you away into the pleasures of this world, the baubles of this world even the things of this world. The eye can lead us astray faster than any other sense. And so the Lord warns us. He says, your senses are inputs. Your eye is input. Watch what you feed your input. He wants you to watch that. Well, I say this with great concern. And when you couple this warning with what the Lord showed us in these stats that he gave us today from the United States Bureau of Health, 
about worry and how young people are worried. What do you think is bothering them? What they set their eye on. If the Lord desires that we have peace and we live in Him, in communion with Him, in peaceful, loving communion, what we set our eye upon really matters. It really does. It draws you away from God, from the things that matter and to the things that don't. And it encapsulates your life with worry. And so the Lord's setting us up and says, what you set your heart and your mind upon is very, very crucial to your ability to not worry and be consumed by this world. And he says, by following up, he says that no man can serve two masters. You're going to serve one or the other. Either the things of this world, which were represented by man, money, and all the things money can buy, and all the temporal things that we can set our hands on, or you're going to serve God. And these senses of ours will lure us away into the distractions of this life and capture us and take us away from the things that really matter and put us on a wild goose chase which ends in worry. Worry that consumes us. Worry that starts in our minds and in our hearts and then affects our bodily functions and it can kill us. Stress kills people. Heart attacks kill people. Over stress. Very serious problem. So the Lord says, having set the table for us, as it were, he doesn't want us to worry. And he says, therefore, since your senses can lure you astray and lead you away from me and lead you away from my peace, my honor, holiness, things that are above and things that are eternal and things that last and that are stable and that won't hurt you and that are good for you, he says, take no thought. Stop right there. Taking too much thought about the wrong things, about the things that your eye can set upon, and your heart can set upon, because your eye fed it, and your senses fed it. Taking no thought is what worry is. Worry is the opposite. Worry is when you take too much thought. When all your thought is focused not on the things of God, and the things that matter, and doing good, as I'll explain at the end of this, but they're all tied up and bundled up and entrapped in a terrible way. They're snagged like a snare in the things of this world. So he says, take no thought. And he says, this is really what worry's all about. It's thinking about the wrong things. The things that will literally eat you up, right? Maybe some of you have been eaten up by worry. It will eat you up. And so he says, don't take any thought. And he goes right into the necessities of life, saying, for your life. And he defines that. He says, what you shall eat, what you'll drink, what you're going to put on your body. Even the necessities, he says. I don't want you thinking about these things. Christian, I don't want you thinking about these things, worrying about them, letting them consume your thoughts and drive you into a place where you're just consumed by things. So he focuses on these necessities. Eat, drink, and clothe. This is pretty much what we need. The most important things, he says, don't give any thought to them. It's a high calling, high standard. Well, so maybe we give a little bit. And then we give a little bit more. And we give a little bit more. This is what we do. Until we get to the place where it's not no thought, it's not just a little bit of thought, it's all our thought. Are you in that place today? Maybe you are. Where it's not no thought, like the Lord said, but it's all your thought about things 
of this world, beyond even the necessities, into those things that I would say are the trivialities of life. But see, you wouldn't believe what they wrote about me on Facebook. And hey, you're laughing? Don't laugh. People commit suicide over that kind of stuff. It's crazy, but it's true. This is what worry will lead you to. This is what thinking about the wrong things will do. Putting the wrong things in front of your eyes. And all these trivialities will come to consume you. So the Lord says, now here, here's the deal. Look at the birds. I like birds. I like bird watching. Some of you know that. I love to watch birds. There's something fascinating about Big birds, little birds, blue birds, yellow birds, all kinds of birds. It's fascinating. God takes care of me. These, 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 aren't, these aren't my words here. This is what the Lord Jesus Christ, God Almighty, the creator of the universe, says to you. Your heavenly Father feeds them, doesn't he? The birds. Well, aren't you better than that? Do you think you're better than a bird? You can't. It's legal. It's okay. You can think about that. You are better than a bird. God cares more about you than anything. What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? That's how valuable your soul is. Every single person sitting in here, your soul's worth more than everything that's been created in this visible world. That's a challenge. Well, God says, you're better than them. You're a lot better than them. You're infinitesimally better than them. Doesn't God take care of them? Then he follows up and says, by the way, which one of you can, by taking thought, add one little cube to your height? You know, you're really short and you want to be playing in the NBA. Or you're too small and you want to be a football player. Or you're whatever. You don't quite cut it. Can you pray your way into a different place? Maybe you can by getting in shape at the gym a little bit, but you're not going to add cube, which is a lot. He says, here's the thing. Worry about these things is futile. Not only is it counterproductive to you, but it's futile. What can obsession on things of this world do for you? How can you change things? What can you actually accomplish? This is the kind of thing that the Lord's talking about. He said, what can you accomplish by worrying about inflation? It is. The guys that are trying to change it can't change it. How much can we change it? Taxes. They've been here since the beginning. Jesus even said, pay your taxes. It's okay. Give the Caesar what's Caesar. We can't change these things, my friends. And so God says, don't give any thought to them. Push them right out. He says, you're going to be arrayed like Solomon was in all his glory. Much more than the birds are, and they're arrayed like that. Birds are beautiful, by the way. Right, Johan? <laughs> he likes birds, too. Birds are beautiful, but God has clothed you much more beautifully. Your soul is just precious in His sight. It's dear, it's beautiful. It's magnificent. And He doesn't want you to worry. And so He tells you something here that may sting a little bit. Instead of God so clothe the grass in the field, which today is tomorrow's cast in the field, shall he not much more clothe you? And then he puts the zinger in. O ye of little faith. You see, here's your problem. You don't believe your God's big enough to take care of you. And so you think you're going to take care of yourself. And so you start to think about all the things you've got to do and that are going to happen tomorrow. And like I said, worry is that obsessive preoccupation with the fact that the future is going to be awful. Instead of God's going to take care of me, I'm not worried about tomorrow, I'm worried about the moment that I'm in. I'm going to do what he wants me right now, which is set my affection on things above. 
Oh, ye of little faith. That's why you worry. Little faith equals lots of worry. Great faith equals no thought, no worry. And to back that up, I cite the Apostle Paul and Silas as they sat in the Philippians jail awaiting their execution in the morning, singing praises to God. How worried were they? And they had something to worry about. More than inflation. More than climate change. More than where your next meal is going to come from. And they weren't worried. You see, worry is really a spiritual problem. At the end of the day, so much anxiety at the beginning is optional. But when we let it entrap us, it becomes physical. And it can destroy us. Well, Jesus says, therefore, he says, you guys have a little faith. Take no thought what you're going to eat. Take no thought what you're going to drink. Take no thought how you're going to be clothed. When he says, take no thought, what he's telling you is that you can control your thoughts. Matter of fact, the apostle said, take every thought captive. That's an orthodox paradigm for spiritual success. Take every thought captive. Take no thought. Push out every single thought that's going to be about worry. You can control your thoughts. He tells you to take no thought for those inner conversations that want to occur, that want to take us and entrap us in the things of this world and take us away from the things of God. He says take no thought to them. If we stop taking thought, we'll avoid all the serious problems that come from prolonged worry. I would say that worry is a sin, wouldn't you? Because Jesus says, don't do it. And so when we do this worry, it's just like every other thing that we do that's wrong. The more we do it, the worse off it gets. And when we start with a little bit and we open the door, it becomes something worse. And so God warns us to say, he says, take no thought. My children, my beloved, my precious souls, take no thought for these things. Even the necessities of life, how much less the things that are This is what he says to us today. And he closes up by saying, people, all these things the Gentiles seek. Your heavenly Father knows you have need of these things. He's going to take care of you. This is what unbelievers do. People that have no God. People whose God is small. People of little or no faith. Especially those of no faith. God help them. They worry about everything. This is why they can't sleep. This is why they get ulcers. This is why they're paralyzed. They can't work. Literally, people cannot work because of worry. They're so worried about the future, they can't work to provide for it. Their focus becomes consumed. They can't operate as people. They can't do what God wants them to do with their life. It consumes them. can't work. They can't focus. They can't concentrate on productive activity. On what God desires that they do. On building their soul up and edifying those around them. Of doing their daily work. Of exalting the Lord. Of thinking on Him. They can't do anything. This is what the Gentiles do. They're seeking after all the things of this world all the time. That's all they think about. And they're worried about it. That's all they've got. If they lose this in the future, they're doomed. And if yesterday they didn't have it, they're probably going to be doomed tomorrow. So they're just wrapped up and consumed with the things of this world, what they have, what they don't have, what they're going to have, what they're not going to have. He doesn't want us to be like the Gentiles. The Gentiles are not our model. We get focused mentally on these things that we worry about, and it drives out everything good. Well, God gives us a prescription for all this.
He gives us a prescription. He writes you out a little prescription at the end after he's diagnosed your illness. He's put his finger right on your own heart and your lack of faith and your little faith that you have. And he's saying, my child, I have a remedy. I want to help you. He says, seek first. Don't be like the Gentiles. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Seeking God and the kingdom is the antidote for worry. You put what really matters in. You set aside the things that don't matter. We take no thought for these things. We take thought for God. It's twofold. You seek eternal life through communion with God, both in your heart and in the invisible portion of your soul and in your actions. That's why it says, seek the kingdom of God, the invisible, and his righteousness, doing his righteousness, what he wants you to do with your life. And don't waste your life in worry. You can kill yourself, dear child of God, with worry. You can ruin your home with worry. You can ruin your life with worry. You can squander the gifts and talents that God's given you because of worry and focus on the wrong things. Don't let that happen to you. But rather, this is the kind of things that God wants us to do. He wants you to be involved in holy activities. He wants you to be praying. You can pray while you work, by the way. You can pray while you sing. You can pray while you're doing the dishes. You can pray while you're sweeping the floor. You can pray while you're at work. You can pray all the time. Above all things, you should pray. When worry attacks us, you should pray. You can say, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Drive away this worry. I can't do it myself. I need your help. You can call His Holy Spirit into your life and drive out worry. You should pray above all things. You should have thoughts to bring peace. You should go and attend every single church service you can get to. When the doors are open, you should be there. You should sing spiritual songs. You should worship in holy worship. You should have an eternal, di- eternal inside dialogue with God that runs in your heart 24-7. Pray without ceasing. That's the false. It's your default drive. What's in there right now? Probably not prayer. Probably not thoughts of God. Probably not scripture meditation. Probably worried about your next paycheck. Whether your son's going to go off the deep end. Or whether the disease that you have is going to get worse. All these things can consume us. And the worst thing about them consuming us is that they drive out the good part which God desires for us, which is his peace and his righteousness and his holiness. He desires it. He wants you to be subconsciously and consciously focused on him and on the good life that a Christian should be involved in. This brings peace, contentment, joy. It brings prosperity, even at times. It brings rest. It brings sleep, by the way. Sleep better. It does also bring love for God and love for man because you get the focus off yourself. You get it where it should be. When you take no thought for the things of this world, you're not worried about things like God wants us, there's not one good thing you're going to lose. Nothing good is crowded out when you stop worrying. God desires that we do that. He wants us to give no thought for anything of this world, to not be consumed, but rather He wants us to seek God. Both seek Him in our hearts, internally, and He wants us to also Seek him in our acts, that we do good things. Seeking him internally, externally, doing his righteousness, thinking about his kingdom. This is where God wants our hearts, our minds, and our souls to be. When we desire these things, worries will fade away. And there won't be room for them in our life anymore. And God will sanctify us and give us peace. 
And that's where we want to be. May God preserve us from this great sin, I would say, from this great problem, from this thing which separates us from God and from His work, which is worry. May we honor the Lord Jesus Christ by obeying Him and seeking first the kingdom and taking no thought for the things of this world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You can listen to more sermons and learn more about us by visiting our website at orthodoxmaine.org. Thanks for listening, and until next time, God be with you.